0: Presents the Pick Six Podcast featuring CBS NFL writers Pete Prisco and Will Brinson, NFL insider Jason Locomfora, and host Nick Costos. You want NFL talk? We've got NFL talk. From training camp to the Super Bowl and through the NFL draft, our fearsome foursome has you covered. This is the Pick Six Podcast.
1: Podcast Football Friday. Will Brinson, probably not the best Friday morning. Like you know, TGIF. I don't know if Dolphins fans right now. Thanking God it's Friday. Uh not the best Thursday with this Ryan Tannehill situation, man. This is not good news for Adam Gase and Company.
2: Yeah, Nick, I'm in the office recording this podcast with a three and a half year old and a and a nine month and a nine month old puppy dog. And the puppy dog's actually just oh good, he's just chewing on an IFB that I'm so <laughs> I'm just about to cave in and give my son his telephone. And, it, you know, at some point it's, it's going to get messy on this podcast. But the important thing is I'm not even having the worst Friday morning because no. Dolphins fans are. This is a disaster. And the worst part about it, I think Nick is the way that things unfolded on Thursday in typical Twitter fashion. Ryan Tannehill leaves, 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 uh, training camp practice with an injury. The doctors swarm online. You know he's he might he's pronounced dead at like ten oh five a.m.
1: How great are by the way are the Twitter doctors people chiming in? Mean, I'm not a surgeon, but like I'm not a doctor, but this is my opinion. Well, thanks for your medical opinion, buddy. No one freaking cares what you have to say. Let's hear what the doctor has to say.
2: It does I don't care if you're. I don't care if you're like a forty year forty year veteran of sports writing or a seven year old kid in Akron, Ohio. Nobody cares about your opinion of grainy video and what it looks like for Ryan Tannehill's knee. However, that's not going to stop me from opining on it. Go ahead. No, no, no. I mean, like, like in the moment, I'm going to act like I'm a doctor, too. Now, in the moment, of course, what happened was immediately in 2017, in August, the year of our Lord, 2017, heading into the season, if you go down with an injury and you're a quarterback, the Colin Kaepernick heat comes with great alacrity. We have just surrendered to the telephone. Uh, Robbie has a telephone. I can confirm Robbie has a telephone. I, thought-
1: I, but I have a very important question here before we swing back to the Tannehill stuff. So, so you said I'm going to give Robbie, your three year old son, his telephone. So yes. Robbie has a telephone specifically for him, which I'm guessing is just something you give him so he plays with it and stops being a nuisance or, or quiets down or, or is that accurate?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's not so much stop being a nuisance. Like, I would love to be playing with him right now, but I have to do this podcast. and I got to write some stuff, and and it's you know just- work. And look, this is this is D, this is A plus working, D plus parenting. I'm giving him the telephone at 9:30 in the morning. Yeah, I mean, it's got like Diz Jr. on it. It's hooked up to the Wi-Fi. He can't call anybody, but he can like access these apps, and he'll be happy for 45 minutes while we do this podcast. God, so
1: God bless, God bless. You know, Robbie having a better Friday than Ryan Tannehill at this point.
2: Exactly. And so, so anyway, the Colin Kaepernick he gets going right away as soon as as soon as a quarterback gets injured. Like of even course.
1: like even like before he goes down, Will, I feel like he starts rolling out, and already they're like Kaepernick, 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 Kaepernick.
2: whoa. whoa, whoa. Is that a guy with a brace on his knee, Kaepernick?
1: <laughs> yeah. So the Kaepernick
2: heat starts going up, and at that point, it's like, wait a minute. You know what? You know what's going to be really awkward is that Jay Cutler makes more sense for the for the Dolphins and Colin Kaepernick because not even
1: close. Well,
2: well not only did Kaepernick go down to Miami and play last year while wearing a Fidel Castro shirt, which uh, doesn't sit well with people of Cuban descent, no. many of you live in Miami. Yeah. Uh, but Jay Cutler, who's in a three man booth for Fox Sports. Still, could hadn't filed retirement paperwork, played for Adam GaSe in 2015 and had his best year with the Chicago Bears. People were talking about him finally emerging as this quarterback for the Bears in 2015. He was he was really efficient, didn't make many mistakes, completed 64.5 percent of his passes, 7.6 yards per attempt. Jay Cutler was good. He in was good. And it got Adam GaSe a head coaching job. So I think if Ryan Tannehill and now, and then of course now. So then what happens is we go through the the Kaepernick stuff. We go through the Cutler stuff on Thursday. And then, of course, naturally, it gets reported that nothing is wrong with Ryan Tannehill. His knee is the same it was
1: then on Thursday night. It's incredible. This was all in the span of a couple hours here, right?
2: Six hours. Six hours. Adam Schefter reports that Ryan Tannehill not fine, may need season-ending surgery. As as it turns out, when Tannehill hurt his knee in week 14 against the Cardinals last year, there was a partial tear of the ACL. And they did the same thing that Andrew Luck's team did with his shoulder. Oh, and, so-
1: that, and that worked out really well, right? Like, that's what you want to follow because Andrew Luck has barely thrown a football since January and he hurt his shoulder two years ago. I mean, that's what you want to do. Follow the Andrew Luck recovery plan.
2: But it's like, all right, we'll just rest and rehab this torn, partially torn ACL <laughs> and maybe he'll make it through 2017 with no further problems. Are or,
1: you- Or he won't. Or he'll get hurt non-contact in training camp in the first week and a half.
2: Or he'll be wearing a brace and he'll suffer another knee injury. I mean, that, this is an this is obvious conclusion. I'm not sure why we all weren't onto it more to begin with. Yeah. But now it looks like Tannehill might be out for the year already before the season has started. Matt Moore came back up. But they're gonna to have to sign somebody else.
1: Yeah. By the way, my favorite thing about that about that extended rant you just went on was it's like at this point it's like anyone gets hurt, like offensive lineman goes down, second string, Kaepernick, get him in, like kick returner goes down, bring in Kaepernick. We need Kaepernick on the team. Uh, that certainly happens here. Um, let's spin this forward. If Tannehill's not there this year, look, I mean, Miami, I think we can agree with sort of like an overachieving 10 and 16 last yes. year. Got their doors blown off by the Steelers in the wild card rounds. Um, without Tannehill, if it's Matt Moore, even if it's Cutler, I don't know if I want to give this team much of a t- chance to contend for a playoff berth in the AFC at this point.
2: I would, I, I mean, Tannehill was pretty good last year. I think, I think it's a little bit underrated how well he played in that first year with Adam Gase. Gase liked him enough where, the the Dolphins didn't pursue Cutler this offseason because they totally could have, right? A hundred percent.
1: Cutler, I feel like was would die to play for for Gase in Miami.
2: Of course, and but but Gase liked, and he said that he said that, he said this just straight out that they, the Dolphins media asked him why have you thought about going after Cutler? Or maybe Chicago media did. And he said, no, look, I really like what we've got going with our quarterback situation. We're gonna stick with Tannehill, and I mean, Tannehill, again, Tannehill played pretty well. He looked like a guy who might finally be developing. So this stinks from that perspective. I like Tannehill. I think he's a good athlete. He's had some moments. He's just never really put it all together. Can I hit you
1: with one of those moments to your point? Like the one thing we had never seen from Tannehill really – was late game heroics. And I think it was the game in LA against the Rams. The one that I think this game ultimately got Jeff Fisher fired, settling for a Zerline field goal. He misses it. Anyway, they scored 10 points. I think they won the game 10 to 9, but he leads them down the field on a final drive. I remember because I had money on the Rams in that game and I lost. Thank you very oh,
2: yeah. much. Yeah, that was a
1: brutal game. But Tannehill was great in the fourth. And I remember watching that and thinking like, he finally turned the corner because it's like every year it's like this is the year. No, no, this is the year that Tannehill going to turn it to get turn it, uh turn it around and get it going. He did kind of get it going last year, so I feel bad for the young man here. And I, like I said, I think you know unless they bring Cutler out of retirement, which would be absolutely freaking hilarious, like Cutler throwing picks as a member of the Miami Dolphins would be great. No,
2: no, 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 no. the better part about Cutler coming out of retirement is the butt-clenching that's going to go on among Kaepernick supporters when Cutler gets signed before Kaepernick.
1: It's like, oh, my God, of course, it's a
2: it's a conspiracy. No, it's not a conspiracy. Cutler makes more sense from a football perspective. If he's signed by the Dolphins, don't freak out. And, by the way, that, that Rams game, now that you're talking about it, makes me so mad because I forgot that I think the Rams were three-point dogs or, like, one-and-a-half-point Two and dogs. Two-and-a-half,
1: at- I believe, two-and-a-half-point dogs.
2: Two-and-a-half-point dogs at home. And you're up 10 nothing in the fourth quarter with four minutes to go. You you should win that game,
1: and that's what it was. It was 14-10. It wasn't ten 10-9 because they covered this. The, the Dolphins obviously covered the spread. It's
2: covering right, right, right. But if you're the if you're the Rams, not only should you win that game, you should
1: really, 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 really
2: cover that game. And they didn't. And if we'd been in that situation, and and you're like your bookie come to you and said, listen, you can quadruple this bet. Whatever it is, 25 bucks, 50 bucks, 100 bucks. Yeah, it was,
1: it was, it was a good amount of money I had on the Rams in that spot. Good amounts, nice right. amounts.
2: Well, I was saying, if he said, you can quadruple it when it was 10 nothing and they're, and they're up with four minutes left, and if you lose, you die, you would be like, quadruple it, that's free money. And then you would have just watched him walk in with a pistol and put you to bed.
1: Yeah, cause this was like, Tannehill was like Lazarus, like he rose from the dead, it was unbelievable what happened at the end of that game. Like the game was over, and then all of a sudden, it was not, but, I mean, if it's not going to be Tannehill this year for the Dolphins, I, I think that the concern is obviously huge here. And, and I think we've gotten to the point now where, like, anyone goes down on any team in training camp, and what do you hear, Will? Kaepernick! Bring us Colin Kaepernick!
2: So Yeah, the over-under on number of complaints about Colin Kaepernick is roughly 40,000. The uh, I would take the over. I also would have taken the over last night during the Hall of Fame game on Jerry Jones. Questions asked to Jerry Jones about Ezekiel Elliott. I thought NBC, the Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth did a pretty good job pressing him on it. And it was interesting because Jerry Jones' comment was basically he said the domestic violence is not an issue. Zeke has had some other things that have been looked at. And reading between the lines, translating that from Texan, I take it to mean <laughs> Jerry has seen the evidence. Yep. He believes that Zeke is going to be cleared on domestic violence. But because of all the other mitigating factors and the circumstances surrounding Elliott this season – He's going to get dinged. It's going to end up being one game or two games. He hopes he'll be there for week one. Oh, which be-
1: he'll be suspended for that game, you'd think, at this point, right? Because the owners are going to come out with pitchforks demanding it.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's it's favorable treatment to the Cowboys if you don't give him one game. Although I wouldn't be surprised if they went two games to start. He appeals. It yeah. bumped into one game, and then everybody's like, all right, whatever. It's one game. It's a divisional game against the Giants. It's a big deal. That's, I think if you're the, I think if you're the Cowboys, you're feeling pretty good about one game too, honestly.
1: Did, did Jerry Jones hit us with the Seinfeld yada, yada, yada with the other things? Like, it's yeah. not domestic violence, but he's had some, you know, other things, yada, yada, yada. Like, like, <laughs> Zeke Lelia walks into a bar on a Saturday night, yada, 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 yada. He's meeting with the commissioner on Monday morning in New York.
2: He <laughs> yada, yada, like, uh, 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 pulling a girl's top down, a speeding ticket, a med- medical marijuana dispensary visit, and, like a late night bar incident that Zeke may or may not have, you know, punched a guy allegedly, reportedly, whatever it is. Um, Hashtag
1: yeah, other things. Yeah, right.
2: <laughs> slash other things. Slash whatever it is. All right. So in that game, did you watch it?
1: Of course, I. Of course, I watched it. it, it and, and look, the game sucks. The Hall of Fame game is terrible. But you know what it is? Football. And it's yeah. just something comforting. Like it honestly, like it sounds hyperbolic and sounds like I'm putting on a being sincere. It really does soothe my soul to sit on the couch and hear football being back, watch football being back. So I loved it even though the game was atrocious.
2: Alright, confession. We'll find out how much our bosses listen to this podcast. I'm going to confess right now that I didn't watch the first quarter, maybe the first half of the game. <laughs> that live. means the first half. First half, right. Yeah. I cut it on at halftime as they were like, all right, they were doing the Jerry Jones interview because I was tweeting that. Um, I didn't watch the first quarter, first half because my wife wanted to rewatch season three or episode three of Game of Thrones, the latest one that came out that we discussed on Wednesday. And I succumbed to the pressure because I know she's about to get eh, – she's about to get Cersei with uh, with the level of football thrown at her face. So I decided to um, – I decided to, to acquiesce to her demands to watch Game of Thrones. To you're, chill you're, out.
1: you're the big winner. Yeah, you watched one of the best episodes of TV I've ever seen, which is episode three of Game of Thrones this past week. Over Blaine Gabbert and Kellen Moore, you won, Will Brinson. You were the big winner.
2: When I actually was doing a a radio interview with Bill Ryder during, while my my wife was watching the beginning of it, and I told Adam his producer, I was like, don't ask me anything about this game, all (laughs) Uh, but you know, we talked about other stuff. There's plenty of stuff to talk about, including Kaepernick! Uh, but there are a lot of takeaways from that game. Give me
1: Colin Kaepernick! I want Kaepernick!
2: Gabbert, Gabbard, Blaine Gabbert, shut down a little Colin Kaepernick
1: talk. He looked pretty good, right? Well, I think, like, you talk about pitchforks. Imagine Gabbert throws a couple picks in this game. Why, why did Chip Kelly start Kaepernick? Why didn't he start Kaepernick? Uh Gabbert did look good, and I think this is what shows you here. Gabbert's not a starter in the NFL. He's proven that time and time again, but definitely a capable backup. I thought he looked pretty good. So you could do worse than that Cardinals quarterback room with Carson Palmer, Drew Stanton, and Blaine Gabbert. But the guy on the Cardinals that really interested me, Will, more so from a fantasy perspective, than anything else Kerwin Williams he looked great I think he's probably the number two the handcuff to David Johnson
2: yeah Kerwin Williams and then the other Williams too the Chad Williams the receiver they both To I think Kerwin Williams, Kerwin Williams is a rookie right late round
1: no I think I, Kerwin's been there a couple years I think
2: second year guy okay I'm an idiot um you can tell I really paid attention to that uh <laughs> that game Chad Williams is a rookie though and he 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 looked good catching balls and I thought Kerwin Williams on that touchdown yeah you're right he's not a rookie what am I talking about um 2014. Good lord. He should have gotten more pub before then. Oh, the other, oh no, sorry. I'm thinking TJ Logan as a rookie also looked good as a running back left injured late. Kerwin Williams though had a touchdown. To me, I think you're right. Chris Johnson will be the guy that gets the sort of the attention because he's the bigger name. He's got the, the long history. He's backing up David Johnson. I think Kerwin Williams is the guy you want to own as a late round sleeper in terms of the, the Cardinals running backs. And then I think Chad Williams, especially you know, with with sort of how this receiving core looks, I mean, Larry Fitzgerald is great, but he's older. He's drafted in 2004. This might be his last season. John Brown struggled with injuries last year. J.J. Nelson also, like John Brown, kind of a deep threat. Chad Williams could be the guy who emerges as maybe the possession receiver opposite Larry Fitzgerald in this. And what could be a high-octane attack? And uh, I'm you know, very impressed with the Williamses in terms of their production Uh, for, for the Cardinals on,
1: and by the way, if you're on the Cardinals offense, your last name is probably either Williams Brown or Johnson. It's one of those three
2: really amazing, right?
1: It is kind of amazing here, but you know who they don't have a guy named taco. That's on the Dallas Cowboys. That was a, that was a nice professional segue there. Um, they they need taco will i love tacos by the way i i need tacos too the cowboys need taco charlton to put some pressure on the opposing quarterback this year and you don't want to overreact to the hall of fame game but taco charlton zero pressures in 23 snaps against second and third teamers not good
2: yeah i mean that's the sort of thing and it, again you're right you don't you don't need to overreact but you can a little you can overreact a little bit um you know the the cowboys taco charlton makes a lot of sense in terms of a guy who is going to fit in and play well for this team. But I think, you know, I think it was PFF, you know, had the point that he just didn't get any pressure whatsoever on the quarterback. He has to get pressure in the, in the regular season. Um they, they, they I mean, they have to, they just didn't, he didn't record a tackle. He didn't
1: record a tackle. Like he I in the mean, hall of fame game.
2: Yeah. I mean, well, that's his only action as a pro. And I mean, Look, he's a rookie. It's going to take a little bit of time. I trust Rod, Mar- Rod Marinelli to bring him along. But if he doesn't make an impact as a rookie and at least have, I think, I mean, seven sacks, if he don't have seven sacks, then the Cowboys defensive line is going to struggle this year. Um At least they, they got Rico Gathers, though, so that's good. I,
1: I, and I loved betting on Baylor when Rico Gathers was playing college basketball there because he was such a stud in the post, a double-double machine. That was a pretty nice touchdown grab he had from Kellen Moore. I don't know if he's on the radar for fantasy or for the regular season, but, I mean, Jason Witten's about 108 years old at this point. I It's not outside the realm of possibility that Rico Gathers could make an impact at some point this year for Dallas. Yeah,
2: no, no doubt about it. I mean, he's sort of the guy, remembers remember it was a, a late-round pick, sixth-round in 2016. Jeff Swaim is the other guy um, on that depth chart. Jason Witten is consistent; he's going to play, but Witten's not that explosive pass catcher that 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 they've been trying to. you know, Witten, he's just older. I mean, it's just not. They
1: wanted he, Gavin Escobar to be that guy, and he never turned into it. So now Gathers has that opportunity.
2: So maybe Gathers would be that guy. I mean, if you're ta- again a late round flyer on a potential tight end and a high octane offense, you could do worse. And and plus, he's a basketball player. We we know, Nick, that basketball players always turn in to good football players. Buddha Baker, Hassan Reddick also looked fantastic. Speaking of Cardinals rookies, these guys are actually rookies um, who looked good for the Arizona Cardinals on defense. Baker moving all over the place. Poor man's Tyron Matthew. And Hassan Reddick, Pete Prisco has pointed out repeatedly since being out in Cardinals camp um, that he thinks Hassan Reddick is a guy who could make plays. And I think Reddick, it's interesting, because of all the trades up in that draft, the Cardinals ended up having to take – and I'm doing air quotes here – having to take son Redick in the first round, it may benefit them in this sort of all-in year as they try to make a push with Carson Palmer, Larry Fitzgerald, Bruce Arians. Yeah. At the- into things. I think I think Reddick and Baker are pro ready guys who can be moved around in that defensive system and make an impact.
1: I loved watching Buda Baker last year at Washington. The Husky secondary as a whole was great last year. We saw a number of players drafted from it. And I like your approximation of Baker as like a Tyron Matthew guy. Um I see that in him And and Prisco's been raving about Reddick, so both of those guys look pretty good. Both of those guys will in their early twenties. Let's celebrate an NFL player will, who now has a four as the first digit in his age, that would be the GOAT, Thomas Edward Patrick Brady, turned 40 years old on Thursday, my friend.
2: I got to give you credit. That is a that is a superb segue, because I started, I knew where we were going there, yeah, of but course. I, I starting the young guys, and I wasn't sure where I was going to go. Tom Brady, 40 years old. Let's start here first. Training camp practice on Thursday. The Patriots have five GOATs because of five rings and because he's the GOAT. And a giant G-O-A-T letters. Don't stand on the letters. You can pet the goats. And they got avocado cupcakes to, uh, brought into the media and handed out for Brady for his 40th birthday. What would you, Nick Costos, want for your 40th
1: birthday? You know, I'm very pleased with my career path. I have no complaints professionally. A lot of gratitude for how things are, have shaken out and hopefully will continue to shake out here. So, like, I, I make a nice amount of money. I, I'm not rich, but like, but, I, but I'm, I'm, not, I'm not living paycheck to paycheck. So I'm feeling good right now about the way things are. The only thing that's missing for me in my life right now, bud, I want an Instagram model. Is that too much to ask for? Because Instagram is honestly the devil, and it's different for you because you're married. But, like, I sit on Instagram, and all I scroll through it, and it's like, okay, um, sports update, sports update, um, one of my college friends, pictures of his baby, and then hot chick, hot chick, hot chick, Instagram model, Instagram model. And it just drives me insane on a daily basis. Now, I'm not going to mention any names, but if Emily Sears, for instance, wanted to be my 40th birthday present in six years from now, I would not be opposed to it. Give me an Instagram model, Will Brinson.
2: For me, I'll tell you what I want, Nick. I want some sort of golf, and this is unlimited funds, unlimited time. I can go. You know, we're gonna make it happen. What I want is a golf trip. And uh, my wife has since gotten home and is taking care of our son now. I believe either that or there's a stranger in the kitchen playing playing with my it son. There's a
1: stranger in your house. Stranger <laughs>
2: in the kitchen. I'll tell you what. She hadn't come and gotten this dog yet. That's for sure. Um, but, uh, I, I want a golf trip with, uh, my wife and I and a couple other couples, good friends, maybe go to Scotland, maybe go out west. St. Andrews? St. Andrews, hit some of these great spots and hang out in Europe and play a bunch of golf. I'm talking like three weeks and playing not around a day, but at least around every other day. You get to really, you know, plan it out ahead of time, test these incredible, uh, you know, links courses. And just have a blast and not worry about work for three weeks, not worry about anything. My my folks will take care of the kid. It'll be a blast. I actually think we could make this happen, but I probably need to start planning it now. And clearly I'm not gonna do that because I can barely manage my own life at the moment. Plus, I'm worried about a book. I gotta write a book. You know, everybody's gotta write a book.
1: Tom Brady wrote a book. Great segue, buddy. Like that was that was good. That was some good stuff there by you.
2: I'm not writing a book though. I would like to write a book. Brady did write one called it's basically referred to as the Athlete's Bible, you can check out We've got a uh, – I was like, oh, do you have the Brady book? No, open? what
1: happened is I opened up the CBSSports.com uh, page that had Tom about the book. And then, yeah. of course, the autoplay video started. So, yeah, we, so that was what
2: that. We just made money. We made Brady. money for the
1: company. So that was
2: they, good. Company. That's good. Um, yeah, the Brady book is out. And you can check it out on com. Break it down. Uh, you know, it's it's a it's it's a nutrition manual. It's a life manual about how to treat yourself as an athlete, how to be better as an athlete. And you can buy it on Amazon. It was a bestseller within like 12 hours of being online. And we're going to play a game as it relates to the Tom Brady book, Nick.
1: Yes, I love games.
2: We are going to play a game called, is this a Tom Brady food?
1: <laughs> you know, cause he's on this, like, he's on like the vegan plant-based diet right now, which is actually starting to gain a lot of traction here. I'm not going to lie to you. I actually considered for a moment becoming a vegan and doing the plant-based diet. And then I think I saw a piece of steak and I was like, well, screw that. You know, I'm going to die anyway. So I might as well enjoy it before I go.
2: Um, so I'm going to give, I'm going to give you like five foods, right? And you're going to tell me if these are included in the Tom Brady cookbook, which I may or may not have a copy of okay, in front of me. Um, We're going to start here. We'll do a couple. We'll see how this goes. If it's fun, we'll do more. Um, And if
1: it's not, we'll cut it off. We'll see.
2: (laughs) First up, sweet potato gnocchi with escarole.
1: Oh, that's real. That has to be real.
2: A Tom Brady reel or or not? Tom,
1: Tom Brady book reel.
2: Boom! You got it. Then of course, are- I mean, and
1: actually, that sounds delicious. Sweet potato gnocchi with escarole.
2: That sounds like something you get out of Blue Apron. <clears throat> um, come back to us, Blue Apron. Next up, tilapia coated in toasted almonds with haricot verts and a lemon meringue sauce.
1: I think that that is a Blue Apron meal, not a Tom Brady meal, because I think that you've given that meal before as like a Blue Apron read. So that is not a Tom Brady meal. That's a Blue yeah, Apron I, meal.
2: I actually just made that one up myself. You're it was, right. It
1: was really good.
2: <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I think the, I think the fact that it was like tilapia with toasted almonds is what, is what threw me off. No, cause was, you
1: read it like you were reading it off like the menu. And, and sir, in the specials today we have the tilapia with, with crusted almonds and haricot verts.
2: Um. okay. Next up. Cajun mackerel with lemon caper sauce.
1: Is it not a chance that Cajun mackerel is part of the Tom Brady cookbook. It is a Tom Brady item! Damn Unbelievable. it! Unbelievable! I thought what? I would bet a thousand. That sucks.
2: I, I did, I did too. Um Cajun Mackerel lemon caper sauce also sounds fantastic. I'm getting starving. Next up, chicken and vegetable soup.
1: I mean, well, it, it it could very easily. I'm gonna no, it's not in the book because he's a plant based diet, right? <laughs> the fuck? So yeah. he's so always he, so he does eat chicken, so he's not a vegan?
2: I need to look it up. Yeah, I think it's actually uh I think it's actually included. It is uh You know what? I don't think there's any actual chicken, just chicken broth.
1: Oh, so it's vegetable soup with chicken broth.
2: Yeah, it's vegetable soup that tastes like flavored chicken. Next up, country
1: No. meat. No, 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 obviously not. (laughs) That's That's like something you'd find on the menu at Cracker Barrel under the we'll kill you if you eat too much of it. This is actually in the Brady there's diet. There's no way that the country meat pie is in the Tom Brady diet.
2: It's a, it's a baked crust and filled pie using almond flour, eggs, and coconut oil. So that's how you do your crust. Okay. And there's an actual chicken filling. There's two cups of pulled chicken. You've desired use instructions from Taco Night recipe for fall season.
1: I, I, I might have to get the Tom Brady cookbook. Cause like Uh, the guys in like I'm I'm my body's I have a sprained shoulder by the way I told you about this yesterday I have a sprained shoulder diagnosis I'm sitting last night on my couch with a heating pad on my back I felt like I was 65 years old like like Tom Brady at age 40 is in much better shape than I am at 34 like I might have to go on the Tom Brady diet but like the Rob Gronkowski version of the Brady diet where like I can't cut out booze I still need to drink every once in a while
2: that's what I'm that's what I'm talking about that's the way you need to live your life all right next up local venison. With creamed Swiss chard.
1: Local venison. Okay, so the like, what does that mean, local venison? That means, like, so, like, if I eat it, like, the venison's from South Florida, like, how local is the venison? <laughs> like, I don't see any deer running around, like, Miami here or, or, or Fort Lauderdale. I'm going to say that this is not a part of the Tom Brady cookbook.
2: It is a part of the Tom Brady cookbook. Unbelievable. Jeez. You started out two for two and then went 0 for four to close out. But you know what? This I is why
1: is- I'm in bad shape.
2: Well, in in your in fairness, I think the first one was a pretty like I picked some I picked some tough ones on purpose. I I purposely set you up with that with that with that no, and then went four straight yeses that couldn't possibly be involved because they they featured so much meat. Um, I still think you did a great job. Tom Brady did a great job with his book too. You can check out the Tom Brady book. Uh, he it was featured on, I think CBS News, right? And they did a they did a whole piece in the morning. It was fantastic.
1: And again, and, it, and it hits bookshelves it was, will coming up this September. So be sure to check that out. The Tom Brady cookbook.
2: You can, it's the, it's the TV 12 method. You can, you can check it out on Amazon and pre-order it there and you can get recipes for all this stuff. More importantly, you can get that, get that little young athlete in your life a, uh, a, a good head start on becoming the next Tom Brady. I bet you anything, Nick Costos, that were he in elementary school or high school right now, that Matthew Stafford, would be interested in reading this book. What do you think?
1: Um, I think that Matthew Stafford, given how great he was in high school in Texas and then college at Georgia, he was clearly a motivated young man. So I think Matthew Stafford would have loved to read the Tom Brady book. And you know what else Matthew Stafford loves? sitting down with CBS Sports NFL insider Jason Locke we we're going to play that interview right now and then we're going to talk to JLC on the other side yeah,
3: you know every year is different um, but we have something to build off of from last year and uh, you know like to be uh, ahead in those games in the fourth quarter this year would be a whole lot more fun but uh, take wins anyway you can get them this in this league but honestly uh, you know every year is such a new year we got new players on our team so does everybody in our division so you got to go out there and uh, you know improve yourself again
4: you really think it would be more fun not to do that? Uh, <laughs> you get pretty into it. I mean, I no, are feeling love it. it.
3: I'd love it, but maybe, maybe a little less stressful, we'll put it that way. Maybe for uh, friends and family. My my wife and, and parents are uh, freaking out
4: at home, but I'm having fun doing it. Are there things that you think you guys can do to sort of ensure that? I mean, games kind of take on a life of their own. I mean, are there, are there certain tenets that you guys think about in the offseason? Like if we do X, Y, and Z, maybe we won't have to win the No, court? you know, I
3: think the majority of, if you look at the majority of NFL games, man, they're one possession games, right? They're within seven, ten points. Everybody's got a chance to win every week. And, uh, you know, hopefully you make more plays earlier on in the game that maybe give you a little bit of a lead and a chance to run the ball out at the end of the game and, and win it. So um, it really goes into total team ball, playing better as a team.
4: Um... Is there a level of excitement about the run game this year and maybe being able to be a little more balanced and complemented? Yeah,
3: I think so. You know, I think uh, obviously we had a good start to it last year and then some injuries really hurt us. Um, You know, you can never predict those or or you understand when they happen. But uh, if we can stay healthy, I think we got a chance of being uh, better on the ground.
4: I don't know if you guys hear it here because you're in training camp or you're in a cocoon, but nationally there is a little bit of a buzz about the Lions. And You know, hey, you know, sometimes there's teams that take leaps and all of a sudden go from fighting to make the playoffs to – truly contending for a Lombardi do you guys hear any of that prognosticators certain people saying hey the Lions are my sleeper Super Bowl pick no
3: we're out here battling man um we're out here battling every day there are guys on this team you know fighting tooth and nail to earn roster spots and and we're uh doing everything we can to be as good a team as we can possibly be um like I said I've been in this league long enough to know that every year is different you got to prove yourself I've been on a uh you know a playoff team in 2011 and and a team that you know, wasn't very good in, in 2012, and, and, you know, I've, I've had that up and down. So I'm just looking to continue, to, uh, you know, trying to keep making the playoffs every year and build on that.
4: How frustrating was it, though, to have to to know that? I mean, I, I know at the time I'm writing columns saying, hey, if I had to give the MVP award out right now, Matt Stafford's in my top three. And mm-hmm. then, you know what I mean? To yeah. have to play through what you played through and not be able to be yourself at times.
3: Yeah, it was tough. Um, obviously, you know, injuries happen in this league, and, and uh, you know, whether or not you can play through them is, is really. Up to luck, you know, and I was able to play through it, but, uh, you know, definitely wasn't 100%. I um, was doing everything I could to try and help our team win. Felt like I gave us still the best chance to win and was fighting tooth and nail out there. But, uh, you know, hopefully uh, go through a season, um, you know, as healthy as I could possibly be, and we'll, we'll see what happens.
4: In terms of, of your actual game, I mean, to me, you're playing at a level like not a lot of guys play at but are there a couple things in the back of your head where hey I still want to keep working on this I still want to keep working on that
3: yeah you know I think uh, I kind of went back and looked at some of the tape uh, from last year and and there are things just here and there maybe it's one maybe two completions a game that you know then then put your team in even better spot and put you in a better spot Um, you know I think uh, I can find those and get it to guys even even that much better.
4: I know it's just practice, but you and you and Golden, you got there's a little something there. I, I'm, there's a lot to me, it seems like, uh, that is just unsaid, where you just feel each other.
3: Yeah, you know, Golden's a, a gamer, man. He's a guy that loves competition. Um, you know, I feel like you come out here one day, it's, it's me and Golden. You come out here the next day, it's me and Marvin. You come out here the day after that, it's me and Theo. And you come out there the next day, it's Brandon Fells. Two days ago, had a hell of a day. So you never know. This offense, you know, the ball gets spread around, and uh, GT was in some spots today where Ball just kind of found him. He made some plays, so it was uh, a lot of fun.
4: And uh, how about the relationship with your offensive coordinator? Because it seems like you guys have been simpaticos since the Gideon.
3: Yeah, it's awesome. Um, you know, Jim Bob's a really smart guy, young guy that, uh, you know, sees the game of football and understand it's, understands it very similar to the way I do. Um, you know, gives me a lot of freedom. We bounce you know ideas off each other all the time, and, and um, it's just a good relationship.
4: Can't let you go without asking the $25 million question. I'm guessing you're not really worried about the contract. And
3: Listen, I, I hire an agent for a reason, you know, so he can deal with that. And, and uh honestly, when I'm in here, I don't ever talk about it. I don't ever get asked about it except from the media. Right. So, you know, all the guys on our team, we got one goal, man, that's to go out there and be as good as we can possibly be. Hey, I appreciate your time hey, as you always, it, man. Matt.
4: Thank you. Have
1: a great season. Yeah, Thank you, Matt. Jason, before we get caught up on what's been going on on your training camp tour, Will and I talked uh, on the Wednesday edition of the show. We saw that Jamal Adams, quote, I'd love to die on a football field. We don't want to die on a football field. We talked about that Wednesday, how we would like to die. How would Jason Lock and Fora like to die if he could write the script?
0: Man, I'll settle for anything, um, not incredibly painful. Uh, <laughs> I mean, over the age, I mean, if it was over the age of like, I don't want to get too greedy. I mean, if it was over the age of 80, I think you're at yeah. least you know like somebody dies in their 80s and they were a good person it's obviously sad and if you love them it's obviously heartbreaking but you know that's a you know 80% of a century that that's a fairly decent run i mean you know what i mean like if you're talking to me at age 20 30 or 40 and tell me what are you going to sign would you sign up for 80 i i think you have to say yeah right yes i would know, i mean it beats 79 different alternatives right
2: <laughs> i would probably I'm not saying I would sign for 70 75 but I mean like if you guaranteed me that I'm going to pull out 40 more years which is double what I've had so far I would probably be I'd at least consider inking that doctor. Well it's like life is such a
1: crapshoot, yeah. right? Like I I see like like elderly people, I'm thirty four and like you know, more the thought of mortality creeps in a little bit as you get a little older, right? I see people like in their eighties and I like want to like say like congratulations, like how'd you make it so far? Like it's such a crapshoot, like I would love to live to be eighty years old. Like like tomorrow's no, I my mean, guarantee.
0: Some people in their eighties who look better than people in their sixties. <laughs> I mean, you just never know. I mean I'm sure some of it's living right, some of it's genetics, some of it's just plain dumb luck. Um but, yeah, I mean, I'm 43. Who knows? <laughs> like, again, even 70, you give me 70 right now, I, you know, I'll <laughs> think about it.
2: If you, if you guaranteed me um, I can work in my current job just as long as I want, like covering football for as long as, as long as I want to cover football, and then that I could spend a decade in retirement hanging out and enjoying my family –
1: I'd probably sign for that. For seventy.
0: I'm picturing you in loafers in a golf cart and you just you croak on like the fifteenth green or something like that. At, at
4: age at age like seventy eight. I think you'd I think you'd be all right with that, Brenson.
2: Uh you actually nailed sort of what I was going for yesterday. <laughs> okay. you, last podcast you nailed that.
1: I can't believe I'm the go. I'm the only one that came out with the like like in a bed peacefully surrounded by the people I love like Brinson's on the golf cart JLC's like just sign me up for seventy I'll take it whatever happens here, like you want to be surrounded by your loved ones right?
2: I no, me I
1: mean I said if I could if I could get it peacefully not painful I mean I'm a you know and.
0: Over the, again, originally I think I asked for 80. Like, I'm assuming at that point there's people around me. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to be buying my own private island and, like, you know, doing the Howard Hughes thing. I mean, I'm sure I'll be in Baltimore.
1: How about JLC, like, by to the be way? able to
0: see your grandkids grow up, I don't know that you could ask for really more than that. You know what I mean? Like, you live long enough that your grandchildren are adults and maybe you get a great-grandkid or two, like, I mean, that's it. Like that, I, I would take that in a split second. All right, well, yeah,
1: how about, I, how about JLC negotiating with himself on the age? Like, I'll 80 and then he went down to 70 without even a negotiation.
2: Yeah. By the end of this podcast, JLC's like, listen, <laughs> just give me three. <laughs>
1: if I can get
0: through my next contract and get one of these kids to high school, you can shoot me in the head the next day.
2: Let me get, yeah. I will, I want to feel like, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what I would feel cool with. I'll feel at ease once I know that Robbie and or any other you know, future progeny not on the way right now. But, you know, everybody is sufficiently on their own and not a screw up. OK, that's all that's all I want. It's like as, as long as I set my kids up well and they sort of got their own kids. Like my grandfather, right. he, had, he had, I think, um, let's see, uh, seven grandkids. And I was the only one he got to see get married. But he was like, listen, he actually told me this. Um, he, he he told me this the Thanksgiving before I proposed to my, my wife. He goes, don't come down to Florida for Thanksgiving. Unless you, unless you're engaged, and I was like, "Are you Jeez. kidding?" He's like, "No, no, no." He's like, "Look, I'm not coming up." He's like probably seventy five at the time. He's like, "I'm not coming to North Carolina again unless it's for your wedding, and I'm not going down without seeing one of my grandkids get married." And I was the only one he got to see, so he was actually he's actually ahead of Dang. the curve. Dang, he kind of like,
0: threw the gauntlet down there.
2: Yeah, he did. He liked my he he liked my wife at the time. Or, I mean, he like he he liked her at the time anyway, so it was kind of cool.
0: Right. All right. Cool beans. All right, Jason. All right, guys. Well, I'm out. I'm, I'm going to go try not to get hit by a car. See
1: ya. Uh, so Jay, we just heard your interview with Matthew Stafford. we got to talk about that interview before we let you go, at least here.
0: What, no, I'm, just, I'm kidding. I'm being facetious.
1: What, what were your impressions of uh, of Stafford when you sat down with him?
0: I like Matt a lot. I've always liked him. I've enjoyed talking to him. Um, I love the way he plays. I, I I mean it's funny that you know he's the first thing out of his mouth is like uh, I don't I don't I don't think we can have as many fourth quarter comebacks and I'm just like dude <laughs> that's your DNA like who are you kidding you you absolutely jump out of your skin you're never more alive on a football field than when you're doing that stuff and we talked about it you know not everything we talked for a while before I turned the little microphone on that and that's just I mean I don't know that that's ever going to change and. You know, I don't, I don't. I mean, will, will they have as many situations like that in the fourth quarter this year? I mean, just sort of the the odds, right? Like logic would say no, but he's going to have to probably pull some games out. I, you know, I, I went there. As,
2: I, if you hate,
0: sometimes you parachute in and you feel skewed because you catch a team on a particularly good day, and it might color a little bit of what your original impressions are. I, I, I you know, I think they could be a little bit more of a complete team. But not catch as many breaks, you know, and and still end up with a similar record. And I don't know that that record gets you in in the NFC this year, you know, depending on what happens in the NFC East, where I think, you know, there's three teams that that have at least a shot of the playoffs. Um, And then what happens in the NFC South, where I, I don't I don't necessarily know what to make of that division, but I think it'll be pretty decent. So. I think they have to run the ball better, right? Like, that just by default, I mean, you look at the upgrades to the offensive line, and, yeah, they've had some injuries. But if if they can withhold, you know, any more major losses, I think they'll be a little more balanced. I certainly think the right side of the line seems pretty plug-and-play. And And I I, I feel like the secondary, almost by default, has got to be a little better, too. And and the key to it all is Ziggy Ansah. I mean, they're downplaying him being on pop. They're talking like it's just super, super precaution. But that dude was never close to himself last year, and I have a hard time seeing that being a playoff team without him being in the top five in sacks.
2: Yeah, that's a good point. If he's not – I mean, that team, they were so crazy lucky in 2016. I mean, I don't think I've ever seen a team that got that lucky. They trailed in, um, I think, with like nine of their first ten games and won seven of them. They trailed in the first I think you're right about that running game and the pass rush because, first of all, on the pass rush, if Ziggy Anta isn't there and they're not getting after the the passer, Gerard Davis might lead the league in tackles, and that might not be yeah. that, that might not be a good thing.
0: No. No, no, it probably wouldn't. I can tell you they're real high on Akeem Spence and feel like he's going to be a really good fit for them. Um, you know, they think they're front seven. Is improved and, and you know I think, I think Davis will look. He's gonna he's got a high motor. He's, to your point, he's gonna make a lot of tackles. He's gonna be around the ball, and we'll see if he if it translates into if it translates into big plays, if it translates into forced fumbles and, and interceptions and what he's able to do in coverage. But certainly they needed to continue to add speed and athleticism to that defense, and and they certainly did that in the draft.
2: What about Amir Abdullah? Because I I feel like people are sleeping on him, just assuming he's gonna get injured. I mean this is guy who that's the thing. Fumble prone, yeah. Obviously injured in, in the NFL, but if he plays sixteen games, that's this is a totally different offense.
0: Yeah, I, I guess the thing with him is what is the workload? You know what I mean? And will will that will any sort of anything close to a feature back workload? Just given how he's built and in the injury history, will, will that just lead to more, um, you know, more of a revolving door there in, in the backfield because he, he's not you know able to hold up and he's not durable and, you know is he. Is he CJ Spiller? You know, I, I don't know. I mean, is that is that who is that how the career comes out looking more like, where you wonder what could have been, uh, but injuries and, and limitations end up sapping him of, of making that explosive stuff just not not really worth the gamble anymore. And, and, and yeah, you're hoping for that one big play where he breaks one, but how long do you have to wait? And, and is he on IR? So, you know, I don't know, man. I, I, no one has a crystal ball on that one. I, I know that Jim Bob Cooter is going to try to keep them more balanced. And, but the thing about him is, you know, at the end of the day, if they're not running the ball, they're still going to sling it around. Like, I still believe in that passing game, even if nobody's in the box. The thing is, can they get after the other team's quarterback, and, and can they make plays on the ball as a secondary themselves?
1: Uh, so a note before the question, worth noting, JLC, that when you said Jim Bob Cooter, I can see Will because we're on video on Skype. Both of us looked at each other and laughed at the same time because we're sophomoric uh, idiots here, and we think Jim Bob Cooter is Well, Cooter's there's no great.
0: way I wasn't going to say Jim Bob Cooter if we're talking <laughs> just, about the Lions, so I mean, let's just that's... keep it real.
2: I'm sort of irate that we it took us six podcasts to get Jim Bob Cooter's name mentioned.
0: I, and if, if, if you notice the injury, I just, I mean, the injury, the interview, I just went with your coordinator because I didn't <laughs> want to say the name to Matt and then start giggling like myself. You know what I mean? So if you, if you go back and listen, I'm pretty sure like I made a conscious effort, like don't say the name, don't say the name.
2: So Stafford is interesting though, cause he's, he's sort of like he's from Texas, but he went to Georgia. He's sort of a southern fratty bro. I can see him getting some giggles about, uh, Jim Bob Cooter.
0: Oh yeah, I don't think he's above the fray at, by any means. Uh, when it comes to the same degree of humor that that the three of us would um, partake in, but I, I I do believe that he is he might be the most underappreciated quarterback in the league. Like in Detroit, I I, I worked in Detroit a long time ago. Um, I, I know that market pretty well. I still have a lot of friends there who are season ticket holders. You know, I know a lot of people in the local media there still. He's a guy who I think the perception nationally is very different than locally. Locally they can't get beyond beyond the fact that he hasn't won a playoff game yet, that he's made all this money, you know, but the team hasn't won a Super Bowl. And it's like, well, when they have an offense, they never have a defense. And when they have a defense, they didn't have anybody other than Matt Stafford on offense and maybe Calvin Johnson, you know, but no offensive line and no tight ends and not much infrastructure. He, he hasn't really ever played with, anything close to the type of full deck it generally takes to have January success, team-oriented playoff success. But just why? I mean, and I, look, I, I, you, see, you see one practice you've almost seen them all when it comes to – like, especially early season training camp stuff. It's pretty monotonous. But, like, Stafford working, you know, 7-on-7, 11-on-11s around the goal line, throwing crazy fades from one uh, set of hash marks to the opposite, you know, back end of the end zone to golden tate like you, that stuff tends to stand out on you like just with you and resonate and his arm action his his fearlessness and his ball placement he, he's a hell of a quarterback
1: so you said underappreciated i agree also mentioned the money that he makes and this guy's going to be like warren buffett when it's all said and done with all the money that matthew stafford's accumulated you think they're going to get his contract extension done before week one
0: they have to, Bob Quinn understands the magnitude of this. I mean, this is an organization that in recent years has watched Chad Johnson, right, just based, I'm on Chad Johnson, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. has watched Calvin Johnson <laughs> yes. shut it down. Diametric Cal- opposites. Chad Johnson, because I think he was at their practice one day after I was. Um, oh. Calvin Johnson shut it down, right? You've seen Indomitian Kansu leave for greener pastures. Uh, that defensive line that once was loaded, Cliff Averill, Nick Fairley, all right, that they've all got – like, there's no way the quarterback can go, too. Like, we're not – you know what I mean? We're not completely starting over here. And, look, Sam Bradford and Matt Stafford were the last of the true bonus babies. They, before they ever signed and, uh, you know, even put their name to that contract, they already were guaranteed $50 million and $60 million respectively – just by the way the old CBA worked. And so when you start negotiating off of those terms and you're a productive quarterback and certainly Stafford's been far more productive than Bradford, um, then you're going to continue to get paid. And and as other quarterbacks who aren't as good as you start making the similar kind of money as you, you're going to continue to get paid. So, yeah, they'll they'll get that done. They they have to get that done, and and I expect them to get that done before the season starts.
1: How uh, nervous do you think Lions fans should be about that offensive line situation with Taylor Decker out? Great, they bring Greg Robinson in. Like, hey, we'll take your draft bust here and plug him in and try and get something going. He's been knocked up a little bit, so I'm I'm a little nervous about that left tackle situation here. This offensive line heading into Week One for Detroit.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, there's still there's still some questions there. Um, but, the, I mean, I, I like the Lang signing a lot. Uh, I feel like Cyrus Coangelo, like, he was a bust for a couple years and looked like people questioned his heart and everything else. But a lot of evaluators I trust watched his last four or five games with the Bills last year and were like, this, this dude was balling. Um, you know, can he be a stopgap tackle on one side or the other, depending on how much they end up having to move people around? I don't know. Ricky Wagner, is he worth $9 million a year to be your right tackle? Probably not. But the Baltimore Ravens still wish they had him. I mean, he was a, a pretty damn good player, and I think that right side again, when you've got Lang and Wagner, and, and again, left tackle is obviously important. But I think their ability to run the ball to the right side and be right-handed will 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 be there. Um, it's got, I would imagine it's got to be better than last year. I mean, you you would you would just think, but it is getting thin. I mean, you they suffer another injury or two there, and you may be right back to the drawing board, which which is sort of part of my trepidation about not being all over the Abdullah train or being one of these guys who are, who are kind of like talking up their run game. I, I, again, is it going to be better than 80 yards a game? I mean, it's, I would think it's got to be better than last year, but is it going to be robust enough to call them a truly balanced offense? I, I don't know.
2: I'll tell you who is going to be robust in the ground game. Tennessee Titans, right? They have to be. They're loaded on the offensive yes. line. DeMarco Murray, Derek Henry. The one hang-up I got, Jason, when it comes to the Titans is that, Mike Mullarky's still the coach. Yeah,
0: I'm with you. <laughs> Phil, I, mean, I will say this, though. I mean, yeah. just the makeup of that team, some of the characters and personalities they have there, they're, they're given, like, Malarkey has adapted. I mean, he had to. I mean, he was stuck in the dark ages. And it's, it's a – look, it is truly amazing to me that he's gotten three bites at the apple. That That is astonishing to me. But in an odd way, he seems to be a fit with this team. I mean, that's a pretty loose locker room. He's not sweating them. He's letting them do things to get out of drills. And if this guy makes this shot, we're going to cancel this meeting and do that. Like he, he, he seems to have caught a little bit of the millennial spirit. I don't know that we're going to see that them ever have an offense that is going to be truly innovative. And it's, it's you know they're going to be challenging Josh McDaniels for offensive ingenuity any given week. But I also don't know that he has to do that because as much as it's a young sort of new school roster, the the, 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 comp, the, the pieces and the complementary pieces on offense, are it's a throwback. You've got a bunch of maulers up front and two backs who can gash you, and they can get uber-physical with you, and that all plays well for, for Mariota. I, I liked them when I got there, and then after having seen the Colts up close just a couple days ago, and have just you know watched enough clips of Bortles over the years, and know what a quick hook Bill O'Brien has, and how easy it'll be for him to make a meal of their quarterback situation. I think Tennessee wins the division, and I don't know that it's all that close. You know, yeah. I think Tennessee wow. could win ten games, and I don't think anybody else in that division is better than five hundred.
2: Yeah, I've got them. I've got them winning eleven games. I think when we did our, our not to spoil it but when we did our, our predictions for the season, and the the, the only thing the wait, Malarkey. Wait, wait, thing, you
1: you guys really think that it's like an obvious that the Titans are going to be better than the Houston Texans this year?
2: Yeah, I I think yeah, I do. Yeah, I think I just think they're gonna they're gonna be consistent on offense. Like like Malarkey, if Malarkey was in charge of this high octane crazy passing game, I'd be concerned. They're just asking people to run the ball, right? I mean, and just be just be brutes up front. And I think they can. I think first of all, I think they they should thump the Colts twice, even as physical as the Colts have gotten. They should own the Colts. Um, you know, I, I think the Jaguars are going to struggle with Bortles. Yep. And I like Texans defense, but I mean, I I don't know if I'm buying that Deshaun Watson is going to come in as a rookie and dominate. I mean, I, I mean, just start with with this premise. I know Mariota's
0: not a hundred percent, and he's still coming back from the knee, but he's doing pretty much. Everything. I mean, he's he's run, It's not like he's just thrown on the side. He's taking part in these practices. He's running with the runs. The Colts don't know when Andrew Luck is going to even suit up for a practice, much less play in a regular season game. The Jags still have Blake Bortles, and the the Texans, whoever wins that quarterback thing, it's and I think Watson will play pretty soon. But look, it, it, he could give the job to Savage and pull him in the third quarter of the first game of the year. Ask Brian Hoyer about that. I think just starting with with that starting point. And the fact that most of these rosters are fairly similar in that division anyway, and I would certainly say Tennessee and Jacksonville, I think, top to bottom, might have the best talent. I, I defer I defer to the Titans. I love what Dick LeBeau did to that defense last year. I think that John Robinson has found a few pieces on the back end to at least stabilize the secondary. And I believe they're going to be a ball-control team, a throwback offense that supports the defense by putting together 10- and 12-play drives.
1: What's the level of concern, Jay, with uh, with Corey Davis and his hamstring?
0: He was going for an MRI last night. I have not received an update yet. Nobody was freaking out. I mean, I spent a fair amount of time with John Robinson long after practice, and it's not like they were on pins and needles or he was texting the trainers every five minutes to get an update. Um, and, you know, this is what, like, I know he didn't have a long holdout or anything, but you tend to get soft tissue and muscle injuries when you're not building yourself up, maybe the same way everybody else is, especially for, for rookie wide receivers. And, and, um, Eric, like if Eric Decker goes down, people will start freaking there, but (laughs) they like, they like some of their other pieces there. They obviously still have a tight end, you know, who, who gobbles up a fair amount of, um, a fair amount of balls and keeps chains moving. They, they really like Decker's presence. They like a couple of the other kids that they've drafted. I, I you know, I, I don't think Corey Dave, like, just go back to the makeup of that offense. I know people are kind of real high on him, and you're seeing fantasy buzz about him. I, I, I would slow my roll on that a little bit. He's going to have to fight for a place in that offense right away. He's going to have to show that he's durable. And this is a guy who, when the, you draft hurt, stay hurt. Like they, This was a guy who wasn't healthy when he was drafted. So I would, I would be careful in the projections there, but – I think Marcus Mariota's touchdown-to-interception ratio is going to be real high. I think Eric Decker, if he's even moderately healthy, I think they could have two guys um, in Walker and Decker who, who might both have double-digit te- touchdown receptions, and they're going to run the heck out of football.
2: Wednesday on the Pick 6 podcast, Nick Costas convinces me to draft Corey Davis over Dennis Smith in this League of Leagues thing. I remember well, by way, this is, I
1: told you to draft Dennis Smith. Like I actually like made the case for Dennis Smith. And then you were like, I, Oh, I have all these point guards already. And I said, okay, yeah. then take Corey Davis. Okay.
2: Friday, Friday JLC spits truth. And now I'm, now I'm like, now I'm like crying in here. Um, What about the defense on the, on the Titans? Cause I, to me, Jason, that's sort of where, like, I think the offense is going to be consistent. I think Mariota, if he's healthy, We'll just make smart decisions and distribute the ball well, and they'll be physical. But defensively, you know, they paid Jarrell Casey. I think that's a smart move. Underrated yes. guy. The cornerbacks are interesting because they went big on them this offseason, but Logan Ryan, maybe not a real number one in a Dory right. Jax. As a rookie, is he going to pick up Dick LeBeau's scheme? How do you see those guys fitting in?
0: They're high on the rookie class in general, and they feel like, again, it's early, we're only one week in, but they're not – um you know, not putting question marks next to a lot of their names just yet. Uh, I think it'll be a, something of a bend don't break defense. I think you'll get your yards on them between the twenties, and then you know we'll, we'll see if if they can hanker down in in the red zone and and force you to for three instead of instead of seven. I don't think it's going to be a great defense, but I, I mean, nah, Dick, I just they made so many strides last year. I mean, that they were you know they were shades of. The Browns' defense and the Saints' defense for for quite some time with with a you know revolving door of coordinators and I think the the, the veterans there certainly understand LeBeau's principles now and and what he's asking them to do I think he puts guys in positions to succeed um, and, and again what offense are they facing in their division that you're like oh my god I mean I just I just yeah. don't see it you know what I mean like. Houston, I'm not buying that all of a sudden that offense is just going to take off. I mean, Osweiler is god-awful, but he ain't the only thing that's a little off there. You know, their left tackle's still holding out, and even when he comes back, he's always hurt. I mean, Fuller's out now. I, I, I mean, we'll see. Jacksonville, please. I'll believe it when I see it. And the Colts, they, I, I believe, personally, just gut instinct, I, I I believe Luck ends up on Pop to start the year, and I don't even know how much he plays in September. Like, you just got to see. I mean, you know, he's really not doing anything yet. And it's August, So, and it's his shoulder. So, I, I, you know, I, again, if they were in a division with, you know, Drew Brees and Cam Newton and Matt Ryan, I'd say they still might not be where they need to be. Like, they still may be too one-sided and you can't run your your way out of everything. But in the AFC South, you probably can run your way to a title – Given the makeup of the
1: other three teams, and you know, with the, with the Colts, it's fascinating, right? Because I think you're right, right? The tea leaves seem to be pointing to luck starting the season on pup, or at the very least, missing maybe the first couple weeks or first month of the season. And it seems like the Colts, Chris Ballard, Chuck Pagano, and company, content to go into the season with Scott Tolzien potentially as the starter. So, Jay, how did Tolzien look while you were there? And do you think the Colts have plans to bring in maybe a Colin Kaepernick or another veteran potentially in the? It, to protect against luck being out for an extended period.
0: No, I don't. I don't get the sense that they're they're going to do that. Tolzien's been around there for a while. They think he's functional. Um, they think he can distribute the ball. And I, I don't. I don't see them doing much now. I I, I really don't. Um, how good is? Scott? I mean, Scott. How, I mean, I don't know. How do you look at practice? Uh, he's going against the Colts defense. You know, I don't want to make too much of that. I mean, there's. There's, 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 again, they have to be better by default, like some of these other instances we've talked about. But I'm, I'm by no means buying them just yet. Uh, you know, I, I don't know, guys. They're not going to win football games without Andrew Luck. I mean, let's, let's and I don't even know how many they're going to win with Andrew Luck, as presently constituted. And when you talk to other GMs, you talk to people, experienced guys in this league, I mean, they'll whisper, look, if I'm Chris Ballard, why the hell am I worried about this guy playing games this September? Right, you're still a couple years away. You want to get the highest draft pick you can get. You want to you you you've got him signed long term. He is in every way, shape, and form the franchise. We're not talking about you know a meniscus or an ankle. We're talking about his money maker. You know the, the most important set of joints in his body, and. Once he plays, you know that he can't really turn it off, and he does go, you know, he's susceptible to injury because of the way he runs with the football and takes on tacklers, and, and, and will he evolve from that somewhat? Yeah, I guess, but why not protect him from himself as long as humanly possible? Now, Chuck Pagano's on a very different career path, you know what I mean? He's escaped the Grim Reaper twice, and he's <laughs> very much in, you better show something now. Mocha. Jay, he's At out after PM, this year, right?
1: He's out after this year, Pagano.
0: I, I would. I have to think so because I don't think they're going to have much of a season. And I think, you know, you start looking at Dave Tobe, the Chiefs uh, special teams coach who who uh, was with Ballard in Chicago and was with Ballard in Kansas City. I mean, certainly a young GM likes to have a coach who, he, he, you know, who, who, who ideally he didn't inherit. But, you know, you got Pagano in win-yesterday mode, and you got Ballard, five-year deal, you know, trying to establish himself, doesn't want to be one of these guys one and out. Like, he's got buddies with the Jets. Like He could call some of his buddies with the Jets. And, in fact, he hired one, Rex Hogan, on his staff. How great did winning 10 games your first year work out for you? You know what I mean? Then everybody thinks you're better than you are, and then the schedule gets tougher, and, you know, you, you have a few injuries, and next thing you know, they want to fire you after year two. So I would not be in a hurry. If they tell me he could play week one, I'm sitting him a week or two anyway. Just... And when Andrew Luck – you just I mean, talk about reading tea leaves. When they're going out of their way not to make him available to the public, and when he does talk, he sounds more skeptical and pessimistic than the team. I mean, this is a guy who every day is the greatest day in the history of the world. Every day is another day to go out there and be great and enjoy life and get smarter and read books and learn more about – like, he's never had a bad day. And for him to be the guy like, yeah, you can't talk to him, and we don't know when he's going to talk, and the next time he talks is – when he makes his next step in his recovery, and we don't know what that is or what that's going to be, and when he'll be able to throw full speed and throw multiple days in a row, and when he'll be able to practice—like, really, he's going to just—he's going to play September 10th or whatever or 12th just because. All right.
2: So, if Andrew Luck can't play and it's Scott Tolzien, I think kind of means you got to lean on the running game, which is sort of a problem because your offensive line may or may not be improved, but may or may not be great. These running backs are still going to matter for fantasy purposes. And I know you're not the. you talk about Corey Davis. I'm just curious about the insight and how that how that works, because basically I'm in a position where I might be might have Frank Gore on this roster, may need to look at Marlon. Oh man, I
1: like Marlon Mack quite a bit.
2: how, How do you think it's how do you think it shakes out there, Jason, in terms of you know, I mean, obviously it's really early here. Marlon Mack, fourth on the depth chart right now, Gore the starter. How do you think the carries shake out and the, sort of the touches work at that running back position?
0: Boy, I, I don't know. I mean, I think it could be a tale of two seasons for them, and, and I don't know when luck comes back, you know, and, and then how, how much do they change it. I like Dante Moncrief in that offense. I think he's a sleeper. He's in a contract year. He, he quietly puts up pretty good touchdown numbers, and you just watch him in the red zone. Um he he kind of gets it done, and I think there'll be more volume for him now that they've had a changing of the guards, completely at tight end, and and some guys who um, maybe weren't the greatest football players, but guys Andrew Luck really really liked, and especially in Fleener, you know, had been with him for a long time. I, I just I think that the balls will be distributed around there pretty good, and I like Moncrief. The run game, I, I do think the offensive line is better than it's given credit for. You know, I think the two actually the the, the two greatest gifts that Grigson leaves for Ballard are the quarterback. And honestly, relative to the rest of the roster, I think the offensive line is actually kind of okay. Um, and some of those guys will continue to develop. I, you know, Frank Gore, uh, history will tell you that when running backs hit the wall, they hit it violently and completely, and it's a thud, you know? And you go from being, you know, Clinton Porter's carrying it 323 times to Clinton Porters can't get a workout. You know, nobody wants to call him. He's, he's done. You know, Sean Alexander... Uh, so Gore has been the ultimate freak of nature, and I, on a certain level, I guess you never bet against him, but father time is undefeated.
1: Jay, know you're back home in Baltimore for a couple days. Get to watch your beloved Orioles in the comfort of your own home. Where are you going to be at in the coming days and next week?
0: Yeah, I head out uh, the beginning of the week. I will be flying to the West Coast. I'll set up shop in uh, Costa Mesa for four or five days, and you've got – I'm getting confused who's where. The Rams, I think – in Irvine, which is a hop, skip, and a jump from Costa Mesa, the Chargers are in Costa Mesa. Uh, I'll check up with uh, those guys. I think on Tuesday or Wednesday, I don't know, the ninth, whenever that is, there'll be there'll be a joint practice with the Rams and the Chargers. I'll be there. I'll shoot over to Oxnard where the Cowboys are and check out that spectacle for a day. I'll come back and probably spend another day with the Rams. Uh, then I'm up to San Francisco, I'll check out the 49ers, I'll check out the Seahawks, and then I'll uh, and I'll head back east. So I'm out west, I think, for eight days or something like that, eight or nine days.
1: Sounds like fun. Appreciate it, Jay. Enjoy the weekend. Try not to get hit by a car, buddy, because you need to make it to age 80.
0: Yeah, okay? we just jinxed it, man. You guys just put the maloik on me. Thank you.
1: Hey, well, what does what, what Prisco call that? The, the, Italian, the Italian curse, whatever the hell it is, In any event. Jason, thanks, buddy. Enjoy the weekend. Hey, my pleasure, guys. Talk to you soon. Great. That was the great Jason La Canfora. And I like, Will negotiating against himself goes from 80 to 70. If we had let him keep going, it's like, yeah, let me get to 45 and then I'm out the door. Just give me two more years and I'm good here. Yeah.
2: Sorry. So listen, if you just get me out to California, I'll sign for it. You can bury me in Cali. All right. Great review. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with more Pick 6 Podcasts.